the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Next week, the battle between listed property landlord IRES and its 5% dissident shareholder Vision Capital will come to a head at an extraordinary general meeting of shareholders in Dublin. IRES is the biggest private landlord in the state, with more than 3,700 apartments. These have an occupancy rate of more than 99%, and in the first six months of last year, it achieved an average monthly rent of a healthy €1,772, up 5% on a year earlier. On the face of it, IRES is performing well and it has a good portfolio of assets that are well located at a time of a housing crisis in the country. However, the share price has struggled, and a government-imposed 2% annual cap on rents is a potential drag on the business. Vision Capital owns 5% of IRES and is not happy with the way the company is being run. In essence, it wants a liquidity event that it says will deliver better value to shareholders. In December, it called for an EGM to be held and put forward a number of resolutions to be voted on by shareholders. This includes changes to the board that will result in five nominees chosen by Vision joining the nine-person board. IRS has characterised it as a 5% shareholder effectively seeking to take control of the company and called on other shareholders to vote down Vision's plan. Jeff Olin is President and CEO and Portfolio Manager of Vision Capital and he joined me earlier from Canada to discuss his issues with IRS. Here we go. Jeff, thank you for joining Inside Business. I wanted to just take a step back to when Vision first invested in IRES. That was back in 2014, and IRES went public as a company uh, in that year. Uh, and you had a small stake. It wasn't disclosable at that time. But what attracted you to IRES back then? You know, we've been uh, active real estate investors, advisors for a long time, and uh, as you know better than we, um, there was really no apartment sector per se in Dublin 20 years ago. If you wanted to rent an apartment, uh, you're renting a unit in a flat. And then the Celtic Tiger roared and all of these high-end developments were being built. Um, um, and then the Celtic Tiger crashed and uh, these partially completed developments and uh and completed developments that weren't really sold um, were in the market. And the founder of Capreed, whom uh, I knew well, unfortunately he passed away a number of years ago, um, he identified the opportunity to go to Ireland and create Ireland's first and only apartment REIT. And he said, Jeff, come with me. So I went over and frankly, I was blown away by the quality of the properties and the growth in the market and the vibrant nature of the commercial activity there and so we toured all the assets and that was certainly uh there was a lot of promise as you will recall about the REIT sector just burgeoning at the time and that was really the genesis of our investment okay and in uh, 2021 you started increasing your shareholding initially to uh, about 3.6 percent and now eventually uh, or then eventually to five uh, percent so wh- again why did you do that well, that was a, a time frame. Firstly, uh, we had some success at Vision. We had a great track record. And as a result, we attracted additional assets under management. So it was a core holding. And just in terms of prudent management, we increased our weight. Um, and we saw at that time uh, a you know a promising in, in, in environment uh, before some of the more negative regulatory changes evolved. So it was mostly a function of our business. Okay. So when did you begin to have concerns? 
about IRES and how it was run? It was really uh, around that time when it became evident that the REIT structure, despite having uh, some promise back in 2013-14, wasn't working in Ireland. Uh, we set out a lot of these concerns. I won't go through Ryman verse in our first letter uh, in April of last year. But uh, as you, the tax environment changed unfavorably in Ireland for REITs, uh, they clearly didn't engender a great deal of liquidity. There wasn't a lot of interest outside a small group of shareholders. Um, and significantly, they were trading at a, a significant discount to the value of the real estate. So the ability to grow was being limited without really being punitive to shareholders. If you're trading below your net asset value and you issue new shares to grow, you're really diluting your existing shareholders. So the limitations of growth were there. We saw an opportunity to do development uh, in Ireland, but this entity was not really conducive because they couldn't grow and they couldn't fund development and they had a big dividend and they had limits on their leverage uh, in order to do that. So it became evident to us that that was the case and it became evident that other uh, REITs in Ireland had recognized this, and that was sort of the beginning of the discussions uh, back at that juncture. Yeah. Now, in April 2023, you published uh, an open letter ahead of the company's AGM, advising shareholders to vote against a number of resolutions proposed by the board and advocating a, a sales process for the company. Why? Why exactly for the reasons that we talked about. And in addition, uh, it became evident to us at that juncture that um, this was an entrenched board. Now, you need to appreciate, this is not something we take lightly. This 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 profile of vision of an activist and a rebel, this is not who vision is. Um, you know, we've had 21 takeovers in our portfolio in the last 16 years, and this is the only one where we've had anything close to degree of this activism. And so, you know, it takes you 30 years to build a relationship. You can lose it in a day. So this is not our business model. We're not looking for headlines. This is a significant exception to what we do. But by that period of time, uh, it was clear, as we've used in phrases, and that we've been misled, uh, we've been cajoled, we've been stymied. And in we began our engagement more actively in 2022, this is really leading up to your question of 2023. In 2022, after experiencing almost one year of, they treated us courteously, but clearly we were being misled. So we actually proposed the EGM, which is now advancing on the 16th of February, back in 2022. We actually prepared the resolution and he sent a draft to the company and we finally got their attention and, you know, they told us, you can't do this. This is Ireland. Um, this isn't, you know, how we do things. And they said, well, it's completely valid under the complete corporate structures. And they asked us to withdraw and they promised us two things. One is that they would favorably consider a new director nominee that we had advanced. And two that they would undertake a strategic review with professional advisors and they would report back to all shareholders by the time of the half-year results in 2022. So what happened? Um, 
we got a call from the chair saying, you know, I met your director nominee and Mr. Nesbitt, I very much enjoyed my lunch. He's a very down to earth guy. It's not what I expected from the chairman of a top 50 bank in the world. And do you know he has family in Ireland? And thank you for the introduction. What happened? They appointed somebody else. Fine. The end of August comes along and we called up the chair and we said, we didn't hear about your press release. What happened to this press release in your strategic review? And he said, well, we've completed the review. I said, oh, really? He said, yes, we've concluded that the status quo was appropriate. So why would we make a press release when there is no change? I said, well, you know, that does make sense. So it was clear to us that this was not something that was progressing consistent with the concerns in the marketplace, the failure of Irish REITs, and the opportunity at hand considering the underlying assets were real estate and these were being valued more highly in the property market than the stock market. And so, um, you know, what we put forward was something that is available under um, the corporate laws there. And, and and we thought that we would have significant shareholder support for doing it. And so um, this is why we uh, so back in 2023, just to, to, to answer also an aspect of your question. And I apologize for the run on answer here. Um, we knew. Uh, well, the fact is there were no other options available to shareholders at the AGM. We didn't have director nominees. We didn't have another plan. Um, And we thought it was kind of inappropriate to hide in the weeds and come out after the AGM and express all these concerns. So we shared our concerns publicly. And if you read those documents, we told uh, shareholders publicly that our intention was to come forward after the meeting with an EGM consistent with our concerns, and that's what we've done. Okay, now, um, of course, they got through the resolutions at the AGM last year, didn't they? You're, um, uh, you didn't garner enough support at the AGM. They, they won the day, um, as it were. I'm just curious, um, you're a 5% shareholder in the company, and I suppose the, the accusation, we'll, we'll come on to the EGM and the resolutions that are going to take place at the EGM on the 16th of uh, February. But the suggestion, I guess, from the IRS side is that you're only a 5% shareholder. And why would why would it be appropriate um, for you to get five of the nine members of the board, which is one of the uh, one of the things you're seeking at the AGM, when you only own 5% of the company? And if you want to affect change at IRES, you could make an offer for the company. Okay, those are great, great questions. Thank you. So firstly, just to clarify, um, and it's, I think it's helpful that you previously asked about 2023. Uh, at the AGM in 2023, notwithstanding, as I described, there were no other options on the agenda for shareholders, no other director nominees, no other plans of action. Uh 45, 46% voted against the CFO, another 10% withheld. 55% of shareholders did not support the CFO. And over 40, about 41, 42% did not support the CEO without any other options on the table. And three other resolutions, um, one related to remuneration and the other two related to um, taking usurping shareholders' rights were rejected without any other uh, agenda items. So that gave us some confidence, number one, 
that shareholders would be supportive. Number two, uh, this is the is this whole notion of control is one of the absurdities in this discussion, frankly. We are, you made the point, we're only a 5% shareholder. We have no voting agreements or contractual arrangements with any other shareholders. So in order for our proposed resolutions to be effective, an additional 45% of arm's length shareholders will need to support them. Where is this control? We're advocating the opposite of what's being suggested here, not a takeover. We're suggesting the opposite, that these assets, uh, the value in the assets uh, be uh, you know, realized to return and service capital to shareholders. We have the same interest. If any other shareholder suggested we have a different interest, I ask you, Kieran, what is that interest? What what is our different interest? Yeah, but Jeff, you're suggesting that um, the appointment of five people nominees to the board out of a board of nine, so that would effectively give you control of the board. What I don't have control. I have no voting agreement. I'm not going to be on the board. These are why well, is I'm not it? Suggesting, sorry, I'm not suggesting that you you've you've put out five names of people you would like to see on the board. And um, so if those five people go forward on the board at your behest then surely, uh, at least indirectly, that gives you control of the company. It doesn't give me control of anything, sir. Well, it gives you control of the board. 50% of shareholders will, 45% other than Vision, independent shareholders that we have, uh, most of them, uh, vast majority, no relationship whatsoever, will have to support these nominees. They will have all have a fidu- every one of these nominees will have a fiduciary obligation to serve the interests of all shareholders, not vision. We have no agreement with any of these individuals. I mean, this is a fallacy, sir. This is just, I mean, it's why is it that a group of directors that collectively own 220,000 shares, 0.04%? can advance recommendations for directors, and that's not deemed having control, but a shareholder that has 5% and requires another 45% of the same shareholders, I mean, it's it's illogical. It's illogical to suggest that nominees that are represented by shareholders that have ownership, that are independent, are somehow uh, controlling when we just have 5%. You've called the CGM for the 16th of February in Dublin. What are you asking shareholders to support? What do you want to see? What's your vision for IRES? We believe that consistent with every other Irish REIT, there's really, there's been a lot of rhetoric. There's been a lot of paper back and forth. It, it cuts it down your question to really three simple matters. Number one, forget my view, forget IRES view, forget anybody's view. The market has concluded that the Irish REIT structure doesn't work, no longer works, hasn't worked for some time. That's the market conclusion. As a result of that, every other board, every other REIT has taken action to surface a transaction at or exceeding the IFRS valuation. That's number one. Number two, the context of consideration of that opportunity is related to the fact that real estate is a unique asset class. 
The private market dwarfs the scale of the public market, particularly in Ireland. There is an arbitrage between the two. And what is relevant to the matters in, in before the EGM is not what some Swedish REITs or Netherlands REITs or German REITs or American REITs are doing. It's what is the value of that property in Dublin? Blackstone's figured it out. Blackstone's bought 51 REITs since they launched the real estate group. And so that's what's critical here is the value of the real estate. And the third thing is we want to address the imbalance of representation. As we've said, there's significant demonstration that this board, it's a fact they're not aligned. I mean, just economically, they collectively, the remaining directors own 0.04%. And one of the shareholders publicly said, there's nothing like ownership to affect proper alignment on a board. But one, they're, they're factually not aligned. And two, they've had a long standing demonstrated entrenchment to maintain their roles, secure their fees as board members uh, without owning any shares. So those are the really the three factors that are relevant to the matters before the EGM. Doesn't work. The value is there. And every day this continues as a REIT, uh, the governance and other factors and this management that we've talked about publicly is destroying value. Okay, well, let's boil it down. You you want the company to be uh, sold or the assets to be uh, broken up and sold off. That's any uh, option over, over the course we, we, of twenty four months. Yeah, we we are open to any option whatsoever that this we're not going to be on the board with this n- new board, which complements the existing directors, believes is prudent, other than the continuation as an Irish listed REIT and. Our, our recommendation has been mischaracterized by IRS and in the media. Our words, to your question, in the resolution, are reasonable best endeavors to affect this. We're not, we have no rights and not advocating any forced anything. There's no fire sale. The assets are not distressed. The properties are solid. The market is uniquely strong, supply and demand fundamentals. There's no distress here. And I think the other thing relevant is not our plan. This plan was developed in consultation over one year with Dublin and UK-based owners and managers of apartments in Dublin. And each one of them came up with the same conclusion that an on-block sale is desirable at the time in last year was less obvious than it is now. The market's better than it was a year ago. Um, and the three buckets of our plan were formulated by them. They said it'd be six to 18 months. We said use reasonable best endeavors to do it in two years. How can harnessing the power of AI help drive your business? At EY, we combine leading business expertise with cutting edge technology and capabilities. Working directly with you to plan your strategy, we will accelerate your AI-enabled transformation. To learn more, visit ey.ai forward slash ie. Now, the company itself has committed to undertaking its own strategic review. And it has said all options will be on the table, including mergers and sales and uh, a breakup of the company and so forth. So why don't you just let the company undertake that review? Surely they're the best place people to do that. Um, The company has not committed that the strategic review 
will um, cease it being a REIT listed in Ireland. So that is one major difference for sure. Secondly, um, you look at the history of entrenchment here. They had a strategic view last year. Now, elegantly, they've or conveniently, they're now not calling it strategic review. They're calling it a review a strategy. I'm not sure what the difference is. And by the way, it, 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 this was not disclosed in their chronology of events and their circular. So they're, they're, they have a series of um, misleading actions that suggest their uh, entrenchment. Um, and um, we just think it's, it, in fact, the last, the last thing they put out their EGM presentation, if we re review it, I think it's page 25, if I recall correctly, says they don't think two years is a sufficient period of time. I mean, these are apartments uh, in favorably supply demand balanced markets. Uh, they're amongst the most liquid uh, asset class that there is. They say it's not a great time. They're selling properties uh, before Vision showed up, uh, exceeding their IFRS value. So, you know, it, it's different. And uh, we believe the complementary members of the board will be constructive. There's simply... Uh, and it's not just us, because significant amount of shareholders have spoken. They've lost the trust of shareholders, and they don't deserve it. So why do you think that ISS, which is a very influential shareholder advisory firm, has come out and advised shareholders, and it generally advises large shareholders, to vote against all of the resolutions put forward by you? And ISS also said that the board had adequate skills to run the company. Why would ISS say that? And we're not surprised uh, by this whatsoever. We certainly didn't rely on it in our experience. Um, you know, they you've touched on one of them. They had two conclusions. Um, is And we put out a press release that I encourage your listeners to look at the 5th of February to address what I'm about to explain and what I've touched on previously. Um, but they had two conclusions. One was within the limitations imposed of international comparisons, the company is mostly performed in line with peers. Etc. Uh, and secondly, the board appears to have adequate skills, skills uh, which you commented on. And what we've said in our press release is they've overlooked the three fundamental issues that are integral to the important matters forming the basis of and reflected in the resolutions on the agenda. One, the Irish REIT structure is failure and Every other entity has recognized it. This is the only REIT left, and every other board has taken action to surface value. ISS completely ignores that in their analysis section. Uh, I mean, they do comment on what Vision said and what Iris said, but their analysis, this is not considered. Number two, I don't care. Investors should not care about international comparisons when we're talking about the value in the liquidity of real estate in Dublin. That's what's at issue here. And that's the difference between their model. They, their template looks yeah. at public companies. It doesn't Jeff, look at the uniqueness of the real estate sector. Jeff, ISS is an independent uh, organization um, and it has come out and urged, advised shareholders to vote against all the resolutions. Um, so I'm sure they've weighed all this up uh, very carefully before well, coming out the report, they have not. They have not addressed that in their analysis. So... Uh, they might have uh, read it, but if you read their analysis, you you read and I read what their conclusion was, and it doesn't consider 
in their analysis and conclusions, these three fundamental issues that are before the EGM, nor does it comment on the uh, the ownership and entrenchment in their analysis and conclusions. If you're a shareholder in IRES and you haven't come out publicly and said which way you're going to uh, vote, you're, you're weighing it up. Why would you not trust uh, a board that has been running the company now for a number of years and includes a lot of people who are uh, on the ground in Ireland, in Dublin, know the market and so forth and have said they will carry out a strategic review and have said that basically all options will be put on the table and considered. Why would you not trust them to do that rather than, with all due respect, somebody in Canada coming out and saying, well, actually my plan is better. Um, we should sell the assets of the company and uh, okay, so a lot to unpack there. Firstly, it's not our plan. Again, I re represent this is the plan of Irish-based property managers and owners and managers, and after it made sense to us, and so we've adopted that to deal with the uh, issues that we've had. Well, if you've adopted it, surely it's your plan. Absolutely, it is our plan. But the genesis is it came from folks in Ireland uh, that are knowledgeable, as you point, more knowledgeable than we. Uh, our board includes people that are extremely knowledgeable and experienced. Our board proposed nominees includes people uh, like Colm Lauder, uh, who, uh, you know, who's amongst the more knowledgeable people in Irish property markets with deep relationships. Includes Mark Bard, the former uh, head of the real estate group at one of the most uh, well-known prestigious firms in Ireland in property. So there is additional expertise that we're adding. But the core answers to your question is that it has not been run well. Um, they, you know, it's public information about their mismanagement of the balance sheet and destruction of value that ensued. And even though analysts challenged them on this at the uh, publicly, this is all in transcripts as to why they were keeping the company with so much variable rate debt in a rising interest rate environment. And the CFO's answer was he had a lot of things to do. I think he was too busy to deal with the balance sheet. They said in their circular, they haven't needed to raise uh, capital. In the same paragraph, they say they sold $100 million of assets to pay down debt. Uh, they've characterized it, what you've adopted, that this is control when there's no control whatsoever. They've, put, uh, they've said it's a fire sale. There's no fire sale here. We don't advocate a fire sale. We trust that they don't adver advertise. Uh, they've said they've done well in the development program when they spent a lot of time saying that the Rockbrook Sandy Ford was a key part of their growth strategy, and then they sold it. Um, so, you know, there is the whole misleading strategic review. Why are we to trust a board that promised to do a strategic review and make an announcement of the results and then came out and said the status quo? Why is Why are we not going to be here three years from now? And they say, we've completed our strategic review. They're spending millions of euros of shareholders' money on an army of advisors uh, and say, you know, we, we, we decided the status quo was the way to go. Well, they disagree with your, uh, your, your view of the company. And I, I think they probably disagree with all the points you made in terms of the way it's been run and uh, the way it's been managed and, and shareholder value. I mean, it has been a tough market over the last couple of years because of um, the way interest rates have gone on the one hand and also... Uh, because the government imposed new regulations around uh, uh, rents, so you can only increase the rents by 2% per year. So what you're saying is they don't believe in the merit of their own strategic review? No, I'm not saying that at all, and it's, it's not for me to uh, pass judgment on their strategic review. They've said they're going to carry it out, and they will look at all options. I mean, it's in the, uh, it's in the circular. 
And as I say, ISS, which is an influential uh, advisory group, has has obviously uh, weighed it all up uh, and come out and said that shareholders should uh, vote against all the all the resolutions. But at this stage, we know that Caprice, which is uh, a very uh, a major shareholder in the company with more than eighteen percent, that they're supporting your proposals. And Ewing uh, Morris, uh, which has just under 1%, uh, is also supporting your proposal. So I wonder at this stage, do you know how much support you have going into the EGM? You know, one of the uh, uh, practicality tactics, if you will, uh, related to this process is the same day that the uh, IRS published their circular, uh, you, uh, as you know, they also published their intention to uh, have a strategic review subsequent to the uh, annual meeting, so seven weeks hence from when uh, they announced on the 8th of uh, January. Because of that, um, they were determined to be under, quote, offer period by the takeover panel. And, And because of that, they suggested Vision should have certain restrictions on our activities, even though we're not an offeror. So, um, so we have some sensitivity as a result of the takeover panel of exactly what we can say specifically. But what I can say is I think two things that would be uh, helpful for you. Uh, one we've already talked about is that um, when we didn't have any other options available uh, for shareholders, um, you know, 55% uh, did not support uh, the current CFO and 42% did not support the current CEO. Now there's options on the table. So, so those are historical facts. And the second thing is you just sum up the three shareholders that you just mentioned. Uh, and it's about 25%. Uh, the quorum at the last meeting was 70%. And based on that math, before we even consider the hundreds of additional shareholders and scores of larger institutional shareholders, you know, we have about 36% of the support from those three shareholders based on a 7% turnout, 70% turnout uh, at the AGM. And that's a pretty good start. So what happens if you don't win? Um, Listen, uh, we'll see what the support is. Um, I think uh, we're hopeful that there's more merit to their strategic review and more alignment than there's been in the past, but there's an annual meeting coming up pretty shortly. Uh, and we'll have some visibility of what's happened uh, at the, uh, and uh, I mean, listen, I don't want to characterize this as a David and Goliath situation because vision is quite uh, capable, but, you know, in the current situation, they're spending millions, as I said, of euros with, you know, PR advisors, They've got three uh, broker advisors, legal firms. Um, So we'll see what happens. But we have an an annual meeting that's coming shortly thereafter in May. And we'll revisit uh, what's transpired and consider our options for the annual meeting. Marcus Sweeney, the CEO, has announced that she's going to step down in April. Do you welcome that? Um, You know, this was uh, her decision or the board's decision. Um, We've been fairly public in terms of our views of management. Um, One thing that is clear is that Margaret did not bring a property background uh, to uh, IRES, and we wish her well. And what about Vision uh, potentially? I mean, why don't you increase your shareholding, first of all? Would would that not um, improve your chances of getting these resolutions true? Uh, you know, it certainly, we, we believe that uh, at various periods of time, 
Um, we have information that is potentially material non-public, and in that context, it would not be appropriate for us to increase our shareholdings, um, but certainly retain that uh, optionality to do so uh, when we're not in possession of material non-public information. And if you lose a DGM, if uh, if you're defeated, um, is there any potential for you to to launch an offer for the company? That's not the business of Vision. We seek to buy real estate cheaper in the stock market than the property market. There's a lot of guys that uh, are really good at what they do in the property market. Um, so no, uh, we won't be uh, we won't be a bidder for this uh, enterprise. Okay, Jeff Holman, thank you for joining us. Thanks very much for your time. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Jeff Olin for joining me on the show. John Casey produced this episode with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, as a subscriber to the Irish Times, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on X, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast in association with EY, building a better working world.